yeah wow that 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 was an episode that was an episode of game of thrones or house of the dragon i suppose lots of uh whoo manu that that was that was a little crazy wasn't it oh boy yeah that i'm a little uh hot and bothered or <laughs> and bothered i guess would be the operant term here that was a that was a very uh sexy episode of television weird sexy at times weird but, uh real weird uh, we di- we definitely had um, a lot of sex to talk about. I think at one point in my notes, I just have capital letters sex. <laughs> it's like that, that's because that's literally all that's on screen for a good like 10 minute stretch. It felt like about half the episode. Uh, but yeah. Hey, guys, how's it going? Welcome to the episode four. Uh, King of the Narrow Sea. I think that's what it was called on Wikipedia. I am, of course, your host, Joe Magician. And joining me this time is the wonderful, the fabulous, the Manu of many podcasts, the Manucular Bomb himself. How you doing, Manu? Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, hey, thanks, Matt. Uh, my name's Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb. I am one half of the Nauticast podcast now, alongside Port Quentin, um, my friend Emmett. And I'm also doing a Lord of the Rings podcast called My Brother, My Captain, My Podcast with my friend Emily. Um, in both of those places, I am covering the current airing fantasy TV series in both of those realms. Uh Recovering House of the Dragon over at Nauticast, as well as The Rings of Power over at My Brother, My Captain, My Podcast. So you can check me out there. Because you're an absolute maniac and you're trying to cover the two biggest shows in the world at the same time. What? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> not not just that, but I'm trying to uh, stoke the fires of toxic fandom against each other. I'm like, oh. trying to palpatine this shit and trying to get the most unhinged the Song of Ice and Fire fans fighting the most unhinged Lord of the Rings fans which uh, my co-host Emily might be leading the vanguard of unhinged uh, Lord of the Rings fans. So it's quite fun, but um, it is a little bit intense right now. We're basically, you know, these episodes drop and we start recording and then I get like two days to be normal again. And then it just repeats. Yeah, it's just kind of a a nonstop sprint. And so it's your fault that I keep seeing all these tweets about like people fighting about Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. It's actually just you. It's Manu. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you, you've it. seen the Phantom Menace. I got the Clone War, or I got the Clone <laughs> Army on one side. I got the uh, Gungans, or the Separatists. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. Whatever. However it goes, I'm just wielding them against each other, and then somehow I uh, come out on top because you listen to my podcast. Force Lightning, something, something. <laughs> Kill Mace yes, Windu. Yes. It's all good. Uh, also, uh, thank you for the uh, super chat from Mona Radu. 20 pounds. Bye. <laughs> By the effing hands off, Sir Crispin, this was the best so far. Yeah, Crispin, uh, Crispin got in there. He, uh, he really got all up in the House of the Dragon. I guess is, I guess is one way of saying it. Um, <laughs> oh, that that that's what we're calling it. Now. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. That was actually kind of a funny part of the episode that uh, Viserys kept saying, like, "What did they do?" And Otto's like, "But sir, my my delicate heart, I can't possibly say like what they actually did." He's like. Look at these tapestries, dude. Okay, your daughter's right there. We just got done having sex. What it, What are you talking about? What What are we doing here? Yeah, you have your postcoital daughter, and you've you know sold her to sold her to him basically in the past. So now you're being a little unforthcoming about what may have happened between uh, Damon and Rhaenyra. It's, come on, dude. We can see be, uh, past the lies. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to go like literally to put his hand on his heart and go, my my king, I. I I, I could never. <laughs> he he needs a monocle that just pops out and falls into his <laughs> drink when he's talking about it. I also love the um, 
that his whole like little breath before he went in he's like he's like okay this is great this is great sad face gotta go <laughs> gotta go in there this is bad news this is not great for me this is terrible i have to make sure i deliver this news like a human would and not as i am Otto hightower a slime yeah, not just like I casually mentioned you should marry my two-year-old grandson at the hunt last week. I'm going to try this with a little more panache and maybe when uh, the king might be in a slightly more receptive mood than he was when he was in his in his cups last week. <laughs> Everybody's in their cups this episode. Like, I think that was like, was there a character who didn't get drunk this time? I think every major character was throwing one back. Uh, and rightly so. I mean, there was a lot going on. I think Kristen Cole had to endure the entire episode sober. So, oh, that poor although guy he had the best episode. So, oh man, uh, yeah, Crispin, he, he, uh, he. <laughs> there's a lot of people that fucked up this episode. I think Crispin hit the top of that one. Well, it's funny because uh, going back a couple months during the Hot D hype train, I decided it's like, you know what? I'm just going to become a Kristen Cole fan. Um, I was a Jamie Lannister fan before. Sure. You know, th- this should be fine. I know he's a shit in Fire and Blood. So I was kind of doing it as a LARF. But right now he's, um, you know, not so bad. And he's definitely winning in certain ways. <laughs> um, I mean, he's I mean, I think his shit headery is to come. But uh, so far, he's. It feels like, you know, true passion right now and not anything else going on behind those dreamy eyes of his. <laughs> his dreamy eyes and his long lock, long like, locks of hair. Beautiful hair. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I think we should start at the beginning of the episode. Let's go back here and let's talk about. So the inciting thing is that Damon's returning to court. And well, actually, no, let's let's go even further. Let's go back to Rhaenyra looking super, super bored on her tour of all the dudes. I'm going to call it the tour of dudes. I think that's the right way of saying it. Yeah. Like I was, I have kind of imagined what these courting procedures look like with like uh, the royalty and stuff like that. I did not imagine it to be a literal line of people one after another, like they were waiting for their, like their orders at Panera or something. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, um, comic-con or something where you have the mm. fan questions and they all oh, line up they had the mic, mic. It's, like, <laughs> it's like i'll ask my question then i'll you know sit down and listen to the answer kind of thing and um <laughs> at least uh you know rainiera was trying to have a little bit of fun with it mostly by just making fun of her suitors which mm. you know fair enough um none of this the old guy who's presenting himself uh you know i didn't even catch you that was there um i think she's really overlooking the little kid though he ended Ooh. up gutting that man like so he's he knows what he's doing. Uh, good representation for House Blackwood. We love. We love. Oh to yeah, see that. we we love to see a little bloody Ben Blackwood. Um, I think that was. I thought that was really good uh, fan service, like for me in particular. I, I me and actually I went right on Twitter and I found Chloe and she freaked out too. It's like, oh my god, that's bloody Ben. That's Ben Jacot Blackwood. That's the little kid. But it also worked in a real way of setting up as a character and also showing how Rhaenyra kind of isn't taking any of this seriously which like for good reason it's fairly ridiculous but yeah as you said like ben walked up there he said his piece among a whole bunch of line of other dudes people who have way more going for them shot his shot and then when somebody tried to bully him actually uh chloe said this was a bracken ben uh turned around drew his sword and then gutted the guy he's like 12 that's insane bloody ben earning his name in this episode that was intense 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably forwarding the Blackwood Brecken feud for oh, like yeah. 100 years or so right <laughs> then and there. Um, and then it's also, I think we're probably going to return to Storm's End at some point hmm. and maybe even see some climactic moments in this very room. So kind of or around it, uh, perhaps a feud that starts here and spills outside. But um, I kind of like how the scene very effectively sets up maybe some characters we'll see in later seasons, but also a location will be uh, probably revisiting before this season's out. Uh, just be in the chat saying, yes, it was a bracket. Thank you, guys. Also, make sure you guys slam that like button. Um, I have a we'll go silly. I will go silly hats if we get to 100 likes. Manu, though, is wearing a very silly shirt. He's wearing he is an ass waffle today. Gotta love it. Showing off pride, uh, showing pride for <laughs> my channel, which may be dead at this point because of oh, HBO. No. But, you know, eh, we'll figure that one out. Um, <laughs> one thing that I thought was actually missing from that was I was really hoping we were going to see Boros Baratheon. We saw Boromund, his father. I wanted to see the son because um, I thought it would have been really interesting if maybe they cut it or maybe it just never was filmed. But Boros and Rhaenyra end up having big problems with each other. And I felt like this probably would have been the perfect time for that to show up, especially since they um, made the whole effort to go down and make a set for Storm's End. They bring in Bormund, like, Obviously, he's upset with Rhaenyra. He keeps going like, hey, quit being a dick. You're not being nice to these guys. Like, take this seriously. But that's not really what goes on between her and Boros. And I thought it would have been um, just like with Bloody Ben here would have been a good way to slip in that conflict early. Yeah, no, I uh, I liked what they did in the first episode when they had Rhaenyra announced his heir. And then the Baratheon was a little like non-committal with his mm. reciting of the vows in Rhaenyra. So I felt like they were kind of seed, you know, House Baratheon as like a house to watch for in this upcoming conflict. So I too kind of expected to see, I mean, it's the perfect setting for it. And obviously he would probably have been in that line or at some, at some point or another. Mm. So, um, or uh, what's it called? His father would have set aside some special time while Rhaenyra was hosted in the castle. Is like, why don't you take a walk in our God's wood or, you know, have lunch sure. together and go hawking or falconing or something like that. Go up um, and see so, Blackwater or the um, break ship Bay and all that other good exactly, stuff. It's like, right. it was, a, I'm guessing it was cut for time. We learned over the last week that a lot of stuff has been cut for time. Mm -hmm. So I understand. And as a Blackwood, like massive fan and super excited to see bloody Ben, ecstatic we got to see that but it also would have been good to throw in boros there but i think it also worked as a scene for just showing how rhaenyra is super checked out in this and even though her and viserys had this big conversation like go out and find somebody you really care about and you know go through the courting process and your life is in your hands it doesn't seem like it's really sunk in i think there was a lot of characters you expected to have a lot of growth from the previous ones and Actually, that's something they brought up in the after the episode, whether it's like none of these people are changing, <laughs> like all these moments are are momentary. Yeah, no, it really feels like that. I mean, the only thing that really felt like it changed is that uh, Kristen and Rhaenyra are just a little bit closer following their little escapade last week. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I think Rhaenyra halts her whatever you want to call this, like proposal progress or whatever. Yeah. Um, what's it called? 90 Day Fiance you know, whatever she's doing, uh, but Speed you know, dating. she, she ends it like two months early. Uh, I think they talked about going to Bitterbridge or some other mm -hmm. castle right after, um, they were supposed to leave storms and instead of returning to King's landing. So, um, she's not only just completely checked out with what she's doing, but then she's like, I'm not even going to do the assignment and just decides to go, you know, play hooky. And I think that's, that was something that I think that they did intentionally because I think, um, 
in last episode, they put a lot of work into making you really like Rhaenyra and show her that that she's like the true heir. She's the one with like the white heart and all this stuff and how she's standing up for herself. And then you go to this one. And it's just like, all right, well, <laughs> kind of kind of showing us the other side of that where like she's not she's not really taking Viserys at his word, although to be fair. Not not a, not a lot of reasons to in her life to believe that her father's momentary change of heart is going to be permanent. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a very complicating uh, episode for Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, just maybe the best way to phrase it, or at least how I would view it, is just she makes mistakes. Sure. Um, I don't think she's necessarily like, you know, up to something or like planning some big secret thing here. I just think she's she's a young woman and she's yeah. making mistakes within um, cause as a young woman, something that's, you know, really prominent through this episode, especially with how she's juxtaposed against Alicent is they don't really have a lot of choices in what they do. No. Um, right here, even having a choice of suitor is like a great Liberty. Most, uh, ladies, uh, high ladies, especially aren't afforded. Um, but we're seeing what limited choices they have within the confines of, um, you know, this kind of patriarchy, but even then with limited choices, that doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. Um, and I don't think we're supposed to view anything Rhaenyra does as like morally dubious. It's just, mm. you know, she's just kind of young. She made some, and she probably made some big mistakes here in this <laughs> yeah. episode. Um, but that's also why, like, when she's lying a little bit later, and I don't mean to get too far ahead of the episode, but it's yeah. like we we can kind of get behind that. It's sure. kind of a small lie, and it's saving face, and it's what you know, reputation. You know, like you know, Viserys talks about reputation being so important. It's how they project power. It's the shadow on the wall, and as long as they can maintain that shadow, um, you know, what the actual shadow casting object is can be, you know, played with. I guess. It also is kind of a problem that the realm is hinging on the decisions of a 18 year old girl. 18 year olds in general should not be making large scale decisions for a huge society and that her decision about who she wants to marry will literally change the course of history is beyond unfair. And I think that's also part of what Rainier is kind of reacting against. It's like, man, I just can I just be like a normal person? Can I just like not be a princess? Can I? choose for love instead of like going through this line of dudes to pick the least worst one and it's and you can see that Viserys and Allison really put a lot of effort into it clear as you said there was another two months to go but even though she's been given a lot more than anybody else would expect it's still you know it's still unfair to her that all this is on her yeah I can't really blame her <laughs> um and you know part part of the problem is also just the other confusion and you know half the realm still thinking Aegon might end up being the heir at, in the long run mm. anyways that's why Damon takes her down to that play and shows her you know these are what people are saying and um you know she just has a lot to deal with and I think another thing that really stood out is Allison remains pretty steadfastly Rainier's sure. friend through all this, even though um she's clearly plot planning some of this with Viserys in terms mm. of who the suitors might be or where her progress might take her. Um she absolutely see like it's a really good move of her to go to Rainiera when the accusations come up. Like that is a super bro move, you know, mm. on your part. It's like I'm gonna tell you about this before you hear about it from anyone else and give you a chance to explain yourself like all through the episode and all through the first four episodes, Allison's been steadfastly like loyal to Rhaenyra for the most part, or has been loyal. I don't mm. think there's really anything that makes me think she isn't. Um, so uh, it is, you know, 
you can see that kind of personal frustration also showing up in Allison as well, because she's like, Rainier, you have a choice that I never really yeah. did. Um, and she, here she is having miserable sex with her uh, <laughs> God, that was, uh, with uh, father, especially when other people are having what seems to be much more enjoyable sex in this episode. Allison sex. Uh, Allison was literally <laughs> pretending she was somewhere else. She was like thinking about a book or something like that. Like, I am not here. I have checked out mentally from what's happening on top of me. That's the Jamie Lannister uh, method for coping with trauma. It's just uh, go inside or go away or whatever it is he says. Oh, boy. Uh, And then uh, on her way back to King's Landing, this was uh, the timing was a little curious to me. So Damon makes his way back from the Stepstones as King of the Narrow Sea. He's flying on Caraxes. He goes over the ships that uh, that Rhaenyra and uh, Crispin are on. I'm going to call him Crispin. His name is Crispin. He's Crispin Cole. Um, fine with me. <laughs> and Damon like swoops down, goes over and then goes up into the castle. So I don't think he knew she was going to be there. Um, Unless um, that ship or sail gives it away. Um, I, but I don't know. It seemed like uh, they heard him coming from very far off and then he just dove out of the cloud. So mm-hmm. I think he was just planning on buzzing the tower or buzzing <laughs> the ship, whatever it's called. Uh, regardless, because, you know, he likes to make an entrance. Oh, does he uh, ever? And he he makes a pretty big one. Literally, the entire court of King's Landing's like, oh, we got to run to the main throne room to see <laughs> oh what the Oh, my God, it's Damon. <laughs> it's a, what's it called? It's like a celebrity sighting in a small town. And just everyone swarms. Something interesting is happening. It's the rogue prince. He's back. But I also <laughs> think that goes to kind of his motivations in this episode, which Rhaenyra calls him out on. Um, as soon as they get a chance to talk together underneath the weirwood that I don't think Damon had a plan for what he was doing coming back to King's Landing. I think he was just there to absolutely just cause chaos and kind of piss off Viserys however he could, because I don't think what he does with Rhaenyra was in the plan. He was just like, this is now the plan. Yeah, no, uh, it, I mean, you wouldn't come and present yourself to your brother, the king, with a crown on your head unless you had some little bit of a desire to just kind of, you know, piss him off a little bit or just kind of like poke him with the sharp end of your sword. Yeah. Uh, just kind of be like, yeah, hey, hey, look what I did. Ha-ha. Everyone's calling me a hero. They 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 named me king. You know, I did it. Who, who it named him house. king? <laughs> yeah. I, I was waiting for Viserys to say, who is they? <laughs> <laughs> Corlys? Like oh, the crabs? The crabs give you this crown or something? Oh, um, and it's so good. And he talks about how it's the crabs and like the 2000 men he nailed to posts that are keeping watch over the stepstones. Now I'm like, that might be a war crime. Sure. <laughs> you know, we'll just we'll pretend that's great. But uh, no, I think it's like a great. It's a great uh, display by Matt Smith just being like this arrogant asshole, but also knowing just when to stop short or just when to pull it back and seem like he's somewhat grateful or someone mm. to see his brother. I think it's it's quite clear that he's continuing his uh, his his streak of knowing exactly how to piss off Viserys, just like with his letter from Dragonstone. He knows exactly how to press his bu- his brother's buttons, walking with a crown with Dark Sister also holding uh crab feeders hammer uh nobody walks in front of the king with a sword like that's not a thing damon's walking in with two weapons wearing a crown and saunters up like a celebrity and rhaenyra very clever like as i said she very clearly recognizes that everything about what he's doing is not genuine that he is just trying to fuck with viserys and does it and i thought the the thing that was kind of 
interesting is that Otto is doing that weird like circle motion around the side and he's like what are you doing Damon what's going on here like he's aware of it Rhaenyra is aware of it but Viserys is kind of like confused he's like is this genuine or not it's like do you know your brother oh <laughs> uh, no it, it was a really uh well put together scene i like how uh harold westerling pulled out his sword mm. and damon just kept walking into it um that was a really great shot um another shot i picked up is there was a shot of like uh damon walking down the aisle or whatever mm. and he was center frame but you could see uh behind rows of people was rainera kind of running parallel to him because she was kind of sneaking her way up to the front um she had a very uh aria like presence in that throne. very much so underfoot and dick uh ducking in between people and trying to, i i, I <laughs> we're getting there <laughs> uh, but, uh but yeah so we saw her just kind of like not being paid attention to which also might be something to keep note of if you're like the princess and like you're able to just kind of like duck in and out of people without being noticed who knows what that means also continues the thing that rhaenyra continues to be on the outs of this situation you'd think she would be at the foot of the throne we think she would be right up there with uh viserys maybe wearing her royal regalia but she's this kind she is wearing something nice but she's off in the crowd which of course comes up like we were talking about her decision to uh cut off her progress or her speed dating royal speed dating (laughs) after two months really has put her in the doghouse and i think a lot of what's going on also in this episode is rainier is feeling extremely rebellious um that she, much like Damon, she really wants to get back at Viserys for for what he's doing to her, and this seems to be kind of the part of it that she's intri- that she's intrigued by this, that she likes seeing Damon tweak Viserys's nose, that she's entertained by it. It's like another they they do this a lot in the last episode, but again they're they're showing us that they have a lot in common personality wise, and also they're feeling specifically towards Viserys. Yeah, um, and I think there's. As relatable as like the incestuous dragon riders get, we basically have the rebellious daughter sneaking off with the cool uncle who knows how to party and get your first beer the first time you smoke weed or something like that. Um, it very much feels like, you know, something like someone that age would do, you know, sneak out after dark mm-hmm. and uh, go and do something that you're not allowed to do or not supposed to do. or You're not old enough to do. Um, and it can be an eye opening experience. And for, you know, a lot of people that ends up being a like they get caught and it ends up being a big experience or they get exposed to something and it changes their life in a certain way. Um, oh, yeah. Does it I ever. Ex- <laughs> and as I was to say here, she gets caught and it changes her life in a certain way. So um, she gets bo- a double whammy. It's like she didn't take that white heart seriously or maybe she took it too seriously. And now thinks uh, things like Damon, that kind of thing. I, I also thought it was. Um, so they go into the courtyard scene. And again, we see that Rhaenyra is totally on the outs. Like Viserys doesn't even want to talk to her, tells her to go away, like literally shoes her. And it was what I it was kind of curious that they what they had Damon doing where he was trying very hard to fit in. He never tries hard to fit in. He implicitly doesn't. But he's using really formal language. He's saying, thank you, princess. He's standing up straight. He's not like wandering around drinking and fucking with people. He's just like trying to be a part of the court. And I feel like that has to be a choice on Damon's part in order to get himself back integrated so he can then fuck with Viserys even harder. Yeah, I mean, he just looks so out of place at that little uh, luncheon that they're having outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like he's like 
stands like a foot taller than basically everyone on the scene, it seems like. And then he's also in his like proper clothing, standing with mm. his arms behind his back. And we usually see him with a swagger or a weapon in hand. So or armor. Standing all- yeah, exactly. Uh, so he's really just presenting himself like how he believes like people should present themselves if they're trying to be normal, uh, normal in like a high court kind yeah. of way. Um, but he de- he definitely looks and feels a little bit out of place. You can see that some of his like lines are a little labored in delivery, like intentionally. So like, he's a little slow. Um, he has to like think is like, Oh yeah. What do normal people say? When <laughs> like this happens? Uh, oh yes. Thank you. What, <laughs> would, what would a non shithead say here? Okay, good. Yes, I'll do that. Exactly. Uh, Crescent from the chat crew is Frank's. How much time was between this episode and the last one? I know they dropped a mention, but I was not sure what it was measuring from. I have to feel like it's probably like three, four months. Yeah, um, I feel like they might have said four months at some point during this episode. Yeah, um, I would have to look, but it definitely feels like so. Allison definitely had her baby right. um, that she was pregnant with. That would be Helena. Um, and that's I think she was swaddling her, doing something very briefly with her in this episode. Uh, but yeah, it it's it's like enough time for people to go back and forth from a couple places, but I don't think it's been like a two year time jump or anything like that that we saw in the previous episode. Huh? Oh, people are saying maybe like a year because the baby looked too old. Maybe I'm not I'm not sure on baby age identification. Yeah. Not one of my strong suits. Um, definitely has been a few months. A year would be all right. Like I don't know what Damon would be doing still on the stepstones for a whole year, but who knows? He's Damon. Maybe he's actually just like hammering pirates to post like he said he was um but i figure as soon as he could he would come back to rub it in viserys's face that he won without him um also the i also you were talking about how allison and rhaenyra like allison's still standing by her and i thought that was actually a really good scene uh with the two of them sitting on the bench and rhaenyra has that offhanded comment about how like oh yeah so i can be trapped in a cowards and squeeze out kids but but then she realizes she was wrong and she apologizes and it works well with the last episode because one of the things that people brought up about allison was that she made that offhanded comment about how childbirth isn't that bad and it kind of shows that they do forgive each other there is like people can screw up and you don't have to exile them from your life forever um but they they still are at their core still friends they still like each other and they're still going to forgive each other for these little um insensitive moments i guess yeah, I, I definitely got the vibe that at least Allison and Rhaenyra talk a little bit. Like they coexist now, uh, mm-hmm. have some little chats. Uh, Rhaenyra grabs Allison's arm or hand uh, right after that exchange, so mm-hmm. um, they feel comfortable, you know, doing that still. And I like that Allison was dressed in very strong red and black. Oh yeah, very Targaryen. He is very Targaryen right now, which will obviously just accentuate when she dons perhaps a different color dress at some point. Uh, so I really like just everything that's going on with them. And Allison just remains like infinitely sympathetic. Like mm. she really gets like the short end of the stick between Viserys and her dad. It kind of sucks, but she's, she's doing her role as the society lays out exactly like to the T. Um, and she's doing the best she can to make sure Rhaenyra is as happy as possible. That seems like an impossible task. Uh, yeah, that's not happening. Everything we know. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think, She's trying and she's trying for like well-intentioned reasons. I don't think there's an ulterior motive or um, anything going on. I think Allison just like wants Rhaenyra to be happy. 
Also, she mentioned that she doesn't have any friends, too. Rhaenyra doesn't either. Both of them are very lonely at this point. Uh, we saw that in the last episode when Rhaenyra walked into the tent and literally nobody said a word to her, despite being the heir of the Iron Throne. Like, that shouldn't happen. People should be running up, giving her high fives, saying, like, here's a drink, come and sit with us, and everybody ignored her. And the same kind of thing seems to be happening with Allison, where she has a lot of, I guess, court friends or, like, the, the wives of powerful lords she has to get along with, but she doesn't want to. I also thought it was interesting that with that scene with the tomb on the bench, uh, Rhaenyra is, I think she's specifically saying, I don't want your life when she's complaining about like the duty and the marrying somebody she doesn't want and all that stuff. She's literally talking about Allison's life and it's the two of them are sort of like kind of crossing in that way where Allison wants the freedom that Rhaenyra has, but Rhaenyra also kind of wants the respect that Allison has, you know, she wants to be in the good graces, but she also wants to be herself. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting dynamic going because um, I flagged something that uh, Rhaenyra said and she's like, she says she desired to be alone or be like left. solitude. Yeah. Yeah. Solitude is what she wanted, where that's exactly the thing Allison's complaining about, because as we saw Last week, most of her women companions are 20 years older than her or her handmaidens. Right. Um, and then the men is basically Viserys and Otto um, and anyone else she bumps into. So um, it, it is a very, they're very much cross purposes. And I hate mm. to just make it like a Sansa Arya kind of thing. But, but it is. I <laughs> see that that's kind of like the archetypes they're cut out of. But then you also see that there's a little crossover that neither wants to be completely just what they are either. Mm. Um, they do have a little bit of desire to cross over, be a more complete person or have a more fulfilling, you know, existence than the role that, you know, Westerosi, Westerosi high ladies are required to have. Boy, did they give us a bleak look at Allison's life in this episode. That was unpleasant. Yeah, like not just the passionless sex which you know it also sucks but it's also like she was asleep in her nice big comfy bed um, <laughs> and like she's like the hour is late yeah you know, could have just like brought me in there to start and then i could have slept you know at least had a nice post-coital sleep because that usually ends up being pretty solid but no they just like late at night bring him and then of course we get the shot where we see all the like lesions on his body yeah and, like, scrapes and bruises so it's he can't be great to like, you know, rub up against. It can't be pleasant. You're already trying to avoid the fingers. Um, just uh, the stumps. It, yeah. Um, and I, I just love how they shot it, like the straight down camera shot. And Allison just literally like just like, yeah, comatose at the cameras going like. Ugh. Yeah. And then like occasionally she realizes she has to pay attention. Like when Viserys looks at her, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm having an OK time. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you can resume. <laughs> Continue the, the coupling. Yes. <laughs> the coupling. Go ahead, my lord. Keep doing that. Um, and then the the thing you were talking about with solitude, I think that's that's pretty close to the next scene where Rhaenyra and uh Damon are talking. I guess the party's over at that point. Um, and the food's all out, but they're still hanging out and they talk in their high Valyrian. And Damon basically does the like the dirtbag older guy at a high school thing where he's like, oh, you know, everything's great when you just kind of do what you want. Yeah, you do your duty, but then, you know, you're, you're royalty, so you could just have fun, whatever, just go with it. I'm like, oh boy, that is the kind of thing you would expect to see from somebody that is about to pressure somebody into some bad decisions. Oh yeah, and he basically does. Yeah. Um, but you also see like that cavalier attitude is 
not, you know, that's very common. We've seen it in a lot of Westerosi kings and rulers, you know, from Joffrey to mm-hmm. Egon the Unworthy. Um, there is a like strand of king or strand of ruler in this kingdom where um, because I have a title, I can just do whatever the fuck I want. And they're not wrong. And Rhaenyra is also not wrong to say, well, because you're a dude and dudes can do whatever the fuck they want. But outside of just, you know, titles and what castles I hold, women are bound by other requirements in terms of, you know, motherhood and child rearing that the men are not really responsible for. I mean, they have cutesy names for the bastards that men leave behind. Yeah. They really don't. Dragon uh, seeds. Yeah. I would love to be a dragon seed, you know? that's That sounds cool. Well, except you have to live on Dragonstone at that point, and that doesn't sound very yeah. cool. Living yeah. on Dragonstone kind of sucks. And you can sort of see it in, in Rhaenyra's face that Damon is really playing on, even though they've been apart for so many years, it's interesting that he can instantly pinpoint that what she wants is freedom and what she wants is to make bad decisions. He's like, oh boy, I got them all rolled up ready for you. I'm the king of bad decisions. We got this in common. I know what you want. Yeah, he uh, basically just sneaks into her room and is like, here's a whole bag of bad decisions. Just, you know, open it up, put some of the bad, bad decisions on, read the scroll, and it'll tell you how to make a great bad decision to get out of your room, and let's go and have a night of bad decisions. It's. Did you think it was kind of crazy she didn't know there was a secret passage right behind her bed? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like at the point where you live in some ancient, incredible castle. Push on everything. At least touch everyone. Yeah. Just to know exactly. Just like go around knocking to see where the hollow parts are. <laughs> exactly. Get a I stud finder. You can find it. It's okay. I thought that was, I thought, I got the impression that she had no idea that it was there. There was like a look of one, like she almost fell through it and she had no idea that there was, there was something <laughs> there. It's like Damon never told her that. It's like, boy, how many times did he like sneak into her room or something i don't know watch her yeah he could have been up to some really weird shit well he's up Um, that's damon for you yeah um but i do like when uh, she got into the secret passage that the stairwell had like a hand railing and (laughs) also all the torches were lit (laughs) yeah it's very osha friendly they clearly uh meet all workplace requirements so kudos on uh magor the cruel or however he designed the tunnels he made them very safe to traverse listen guys I know I'm about to kill all of you for designing my secret passages, but everything needs handrails. Everything. Handrails, metal handrails, too. That was a metal handrail. That was like something you see outside of an apartment. It sure was. Um, I also thought it was interesting. Like I said, the the candles were all lit. So I think you have to assume Damon lit them in order to guide her where to go. Right. Because otherwise, Uh, why were those things lit? Yeah. Unless they like pay daily homage to Valerian, which, again, crazy dragon people. Very possible. Maybe. Um, if you want to really, you know, stretch your uh, crackpot theories, you can say they're glass candles. And they're oh, hello. Like um, but Love that. I, I, I feel like if they were, we would have had a little more focus or they look like candles, like wax as shit candles. <laughs> so, um, they either keep them always lit or Damon lit it for her. I think, probably Damon. I, think I kind of my like headcanon is like Damon used that passage to get into her room to drop. Yeah, probably. And then he just kind of let, lit the way on the way out, um, follow the lights, something like that. I, I think that is an interesting part of his character because Damon's never mentioned in Fire and Blood as being the kind of spy master type. That's Mysaria. And that he knows everywhere in King's Landing. He knows everywhere in the Red Keep. He knows all the secret passages. It's like that is a new part of his character. Also in the chat, Michelle Carter said <laughs> Allison laid there like a starfish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. Well, oh now, boy. Now I'm just gonna think of Patrick from SpongeBob, so I don't know if that helps it, but oh boy. Um, yeah, that yeah, just you know, limbs spread out and just completely dead. It's yeah. kind of like the end of what you do at the end of yoga when you go into Shavasana, you just kind of lay flat on the ground and put corpse your pose. And, she corpse yeah, pose right through it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I that pretty much what Allison did. So <laughs> that position's called doing your duty. Oh my god. Oh God. So, yeah. That, that's why it's not okay. That's brilliant. That's, brilliant. You, that's, so well that's a tweet. <laughs> that is a, that is a tweet that will get a lot of likes and get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, I also thought like you, you mentioned the Aria connection, absolutely Aria all over this. They even had, uh, Rhaenyra dressing like her, um, the look of wonder on her face being dragged around different places, going to see the playhouse, which I thought was a cool, a cool moment that that is, um, part of the life of the city of King's Landing is something that, uh, disappeared for a long point in Game of Thrones and didn't come back until we saw them all murdered. But, um, this show and particularly, uh, not too heavy spoilers, but lots of stuff happens in King's Landing during the the upcoming seasons. It's like it rather like the instead of like Game of Thrones, where it kind of spreads out to a lot of locations, King's Landing and especially the Undercity remains a huge part of it. And I, I really like that they kind of introduce that almost as like another character to the to the episode. They want to make sure that you understand that it's kind of like a crazy Mardi Gras like a carnival of like flesh and horrors or something like that on, on the undercity of it. Yeah. I, uh, I wrote in my notes like new Orleans or Bourbon mm. street was basically the vibe I got. Um, not like the whole city is like that all the time, but there's definitely like the street of silk or whatever the hell mm. they are. Um, there's always a party going on and uh, there should always be a party going on. I think that's a good way for a city to base itself is there should always be a part of the city that's partying. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, it's fun. I even loved uh, Rhaenyra's, <clears throat> Rhaenyra's excitement when she was called a boy. Um, that felt great. She was like, excited. He called me boy. <laughs> like, I just, like, Arya had a different reaction. She's like, I'm a girl. But, like, it's still, like, kind of, you see how they're playing on gender with that. And that's mm-hmm. something I know is going to uh, rear its head with uh, oh, for sure. Rhaenyra as well. So um, watching uh, Rhaenyra be delighted by her misgendering was kind of fun in the moment, too. She, yeah, she finally got her dream to come true. She's like, I can be like Damon. I can just sort of do whatever. Um, there is something they said in the after the episode where um, Miguel Sapochnik in particular mentioned that Damon was doing this in a very uh, immoral way. That what he was doing specifically here was he knew he was going to, um, well, lead lead Rhaenyra to to problems and that you know he got her a drink right away he's leading her into places she doesn't know so she has to rely on him like she clearly she doesn't know her way back she doesn't know where she is people are jostling her so he's kind of putting herself he's putting himself in a real position of power over Rhaenyra in particular and you can see how he sort of take advantage of that as the um as the scene progresses and they make their way into the brothel yeah, um, I hope you don't mind, but I want to talk about like how the rumor got out a bit. The little kid yeah. who uh, saw her, because mm-hmm. um, he goes to the Red Keep and he's the one who tells Otto Hightower. Mm-hmm. But then, my sorry, uh, when he's when he's presented, she says the White Worm has news for you, and then the kid pops up, and then we cut to Damon and Missaria the next morning, and a little kid comes in and collects money from uh, Missaria, and it looked like the same little kid. To yeah, me it was the one that told him. So I'm not entirely what sh- 
game is being played here? Like, is Damon purposefully like leaking information to Otto's to like put into, you know, machination something or another? Or hmm. So my take on that was that Mysaria's dialogue with Damon was she wasn't happy with him that he had not seen her for years. This is the first time he shows up drunk, passes out in a bunch of hay and something like that. They're, the way they probably parted was probably not too nice. She said that he was his captor. She was his, his captive for a while. I'm guessing that means Dragonstone. So I'm guessing that this was my Saria getting back at Damon and also just like plying her trade. Clearly, they, she has a relationship with Otto, with Damon gone. Um, I'm guessing that's how she made her way. That's how she bought her brothels and all that stuff through from Otto's coin. Okay, yeah, no, that makes a lot more sense. It's just with as little as we know about Missaria from mm. Fire and Blood, I just kind of assume she was always in Damon's corner no matter what. But I guess we're learning that their relationship is a little different than even as was documented in Fire and Blood. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we thought she sailed back to Lease and you mm. know, lost a kid that she never ended up having. Um, so it's just like that whole relationship is just completely unexplored and they can basically do whatever they want. So I didn't even think about it that way, but I think you probably got the right of it. Probably. I don't know why else she would do it. Um I mean, the fact Damon, uh, they said this again in the after the there was a lot of stuff in the after the episode where they explained all the motivations. They they had a comment about Damon that uh, a very common thing that happens to people in his life is he suckers them in with uh, being charming and acting like he's changed and he has not changed. And eventually it all catches up with him. So I kind of just put that onto my sorry. I'm like, this is probably the backlash from the bullshit he pulled on Dragonstone. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, um, but should we talk about like the Matrix Reloaded orgy scene that we had here <laughs> in the middle of this episode? Oh man, were they doing the stomp too? Were they? Oh, I we're gonna rock the halls. They need they need a Lawrence Fishburne just in the brothel narrating as like <laughs> they uh, did whatever whatever they did. Um, and I guess uh, you told me this before the episode, but we should say they officially confirmed that Damon and Rhaenyra did not have sex. Yeah. Um, in the brothel. They got um, close. I thought, yeah, which I thought was pretty clear uh, from the episode. But knowing, you know, media literacy, I'm sure they'll, there was going to be some debate if they mm-hmm. didn't say specifically what happened. So I'm glad they did, I guess. I feel um, like they but, got the third base. Yeah. Um, they were they were close. It, I felt like uh, Damon's pants were down. Mm. Um, I, it felt like they were pretty close to the old in and out. But I feel um, <laughs> sorry. I Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. feel like they did. The dance of the dragons, short. of course. Yeah, there you go. Of course, uh, the, the dragons did not quite dance yet. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, but it literally was up unto, up to that line. That's why there is even a question of it. Why I'm sure the showrunners felt they needed to say something in the after the episode anyways. So wasn't um, quite, what did you think of it? It wasn't quite like Daenerys forgot about the Iron Fleet, but it it was close. They were like, oh, people aren't really going to understand. So I didn't catch. I sort of wonder this at the time. I had written our notes ahead of time. Like, is da- what what's Damon going to do here? Is it going to be because he really cares about Rhaenyra? Is this like, is he really attracted to her? Or is this just about Viserys? And they confirmed the after the episode, it is all about Viserys that he specifically lured her out of the, the the castle. He specifically got her, gave her some drinks, brought her into the brothel with the intention of trying to trying to screw her uh, in order to make Viserys mad. But what they said was 
the reason it didn't go very far is that Damon had his impotence problem again and he couldn't get it up. And that's, that's what ended the encounter that um, he felt guilty about what he was doing. So after making out with her and going to second or third base, he then just couldn't go through with it. And that's why he got angry, got drunk and ran off and left Rhaenyra behind. It was frustration that he was like, ah, I can't, I can't do this. I don't really care that much about her, which was interesting because I think a lot of people had, were reading going into this episode and definitely reading fire and blood that the two of them had a connection all along. But, but the show is saying that no, that the connection is coming out of Damon's desire to troll his brother. Yeah. um, And I actually honestly read it in the moment as Damon wanted, did not want to do his brother that dirty. Mm. Um, Like I felt like he's like, I, this would be too far because as weird as his relationship is with Viserys, he's, he still somewhat respects him or at least wants his love. Like it's a very complicated Mm. relationship. Like he doesn't want his health. Um, he doesn't want his brother looking down on him, but he also doesn't want to be ignored by his brother. Um, and he, you know, he would rather his brother love him than not, I think. Um, and I thought he just kind of like, I don't think he was like being, Oh, I'm morally upstanding and I'm not going to go all the way with my 17 year old niece or 18 year old niece, 17, 18, somewhere in there. But, uh, I, I do think there was at some levels like this would be a bridge too far for me to cross my brother in this way. Cause even afterwards when uh, Viserys is kicking him down uh, mm. while uh, Damon is laying drunk, you know, hung over on the floor, <laughs> which we've all been there. Who hasn't, um, who hasn't been drunk but, on the throw the, the, on the throne room, but you know, he, all things considered like still pretty respectful of his brother, I guess. Like mm. he's not like, like the way I would be a dick to someone is just not the way Damon is a dick to people. So it's just hard for me to figure out like he's not being like an outward dick in the same way I would be to someone. I. It is a curious choice of revenge. Yeah. Um, certainly they do have a connection between them and like the, the whole high Valyrian thing that that is the language they use with each other. It's not like there's not a connection there, but they were saying that it was not sexual that he was not like he was an interineer in the moment he was just trying to cause chaos but they said the opposite for Rhaenyra that her interest in the moment was totally genuine although to be fair he also did give her a bunch of drinks so she probably wasn't thinking super straight yeah because uh, it did look like right when he was starting to back off she was still looking to press forward a little bit yeah she uh, kept going back were, at him kind of there were a couple times yeah she was coming for those pecs um, by pecs, I mean pecs like kisses, not his chest, but also would have been worthwhile for her to go to. Uh, good move. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it looked like, and I mean, I think that probably feeds into what happens next is like she got a little hot and bothered. And sometimes, you know, you want, you want to finish the job. You don't want to just <laughs> get like halfway done, um, which, which know, is what happened. He got her, yeah, he, the, he got the, uh, he got her all hot and bothered and she was ready to go and then ran away. And uh, yeah, um, also in the chat, Sasa Kid, we discussed the Blackwood. Yes, yes, we did. Uh, somebody in the chat said it was Samuel Blackwood, not Bloody Ben, which would be surprising to me because although if it's if she's 18 years old, it's 119. So I think that I think it has to be Bloody Ben, I think, like time wise. But who knows? Yeah, it, I, I would think it would make more sense. Like, just, I mean, they're being a little, you know, there's ambi- they're messing with times. And yeah. Ages. Um, and they're definitely aging characters up and down, but I think 
what I would prefer, and I, I we'd have to look at the credits. Would would it for to be Bloody Ben? Just because then you can come back to that character in a couple seasons. Yeah. Why would you make it Samwell when you could make it Ben? Like, he's the kid. He's he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so I think I think it. That's what I'd prefer, but I'm sure who knows the credits will let us know. We'll know by tomorrow morning, and we'll see how much of fools we are for talking about it as Bloody Ben today. But whatever. Yeah. Um. So after that, Rhaenyra sneaks her way back into the, the Red Keep. I say sneak. She apparently walked in the front gate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, good one on that one. Grabs Kristen. And then uh, this was another thing they said after the episode. But actually, before that, Manu, what was your take on what was going on between Rhaenyra and Kristen? I know the truth. What did you see from the show? Oh, you mean from like their actual getting together? Yeah. Coupling, uh, so to speak. Um it it honestly kind of felt genuine in the moment because mm-hmm. I think they they had some energy going back to last week. Definitely. Um, I, I think, you know, Kristen was reluctant, but, you know, he had plenty of time to back out. Like the way he slowly it. took off. His, Touching like, his white cloak. Yeah, like, like he had time to like look at his, like, am I really going to like despoil this and all that? And like he still decided to. So, um and like I, I think he clearly kind of wanted to. Like you could tell he maybe had a little crush on her. And she it, it's funny because Fire and Blood talked about her being infatuated with uh, mm-hmm. Kristen Cole. Um, and I'm not sure if I see that. I think she sees a hot dude who guards her for sure. Um, <laughs> and someone she likes spending time with. Yeah. But it definitely felt like she had stronger feelings for Damon. Um, and then Kristen Cole just happened to be there at, you know, right time, right spot, right time. Okay. Um but uh, yeah, that's basically where I stand now. But because also we get, sorry, my cats are, that's my cats. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, they are fighting. <laughs> they are fighting on the other side of my monitors here. Oh boy. Uh, it happens. They're good boys. Uh, they are great boys. Uh, but what, oh, because we get a little bit of the morning after uh, right. where uh, Kristen Cole has to come fetch her to like meet mm-hmm. the king or the queen, the queen's calling her the godswood. Um, but she's like still in that like, Come here, you know she's Come like hither. smiling and yeah. giddy, like so. I think she, she's like into Kristen Cole. I don't think she's not into Kristen Cole. It's just I don't think she was. He was number one on the list. He might be now because you know, doing the deed and then <laughs> kind of being spurned by your former number one is a way to you know kind of shift those rankings a little bit. Yeah, um, but I mean, I I think she was kind of happy about it, and it's kind of funny because that's the one thing she doesn't quite have to lie about following it happening. Like, cause everything is so focused. on. She did Damon. tell the truth. She did not. Yeah, fuck Damon. So, uh, when, you know, she has to confront her allegations, she can be honest about that, but you know, she doesn't tell the whole truth. Um, I do. She might've lied. She might've said she was still a maiden to Allison. Um, I think so. I have to go back a, and check it. Yeah. Uh, so would I, but that would be an outright lie, but I think everything else was all in the context of Damon, which was true. Although she said Damon never touched me. Yeah, definitely touched. He definitely There was some touching there. Uh, (laughs) So to reveal the truth of the episode, you are correct that Rhaenyra was all turned on from Damon and Kristen was the closest dick to her. So she grabbed him. They already had that connection. Um, She already kind of liked him. They had this. She was he was like her only friend. And. That's why she went for it. If she had her choice, she would have been boning Damon all night long. He is definitely a uh, bench warmer that got called up 
because of a because of the circumstances, which is probably going to hurt Kristen's feelings a lot because I'm pretty sure he lost his virginity too. Oh wait, didn't he have an adventurous youth? <laughs> oh maybe. Uh, oh, uh, I wonder about broke that. His vows. He definitely broke his vows. He definitely broke the one thing. The that, one thing he's supposed to do, and it's going to be yeah. that Rhaenyra. He's going to be like, "I love you," and he's going to be like, and she's going to be like, "But it was just sex," and he's going to be like, "It wasn't for me." That kind of thing. I'm pretty <laughs> oh, sure that's what they're setting up. Those guys. He's going to be a fuckboy about it. Oh, he's definitely um, a fuckboy. He is Sir Fuckboy right now. <laughs> Um, well, speaking about right place, right time, how about the guy who just missed? Because she walks past Harwin. Strong. Yeah, so Gold cloak. I was waiting for that to circle back to something or him to see her in the castle again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, uh, it's interesting trying to triangulate the counts and fire and blood to what we see on screen and to see how possibly what someone could witness might turn into, you know, even if it's lies or exaggeration into mm-hmm. the text we got in fire and blood. So just Harwin possibly bumping into Chris, uh, bumping into Rhaenyra could have been twisted. And obviously no one saw them and she was in disguise, but um, his presence there cannot be, you know, overlooked. It, it was interesting that they had him there. Uh, they compressed quite a lot into that whole scene where this was I, I went back and I read Fire and Blood before the episode aired just because I was like, I know kind of what's going to happen here based on what's in the promos. So like how close do they stick to it? And they compressed like two years worth of drama into one night. Uh, the way it goes in the book is that um, there is she goes to Damon in order to get sex lessons so that she can then seduce Sir Kristen. Supposedly she does. And then after Viserys declares to Rhaenyra that she has to marry Lenor or be disinherited, she then goes, tries to find Kristen, can't, bumps into Harwin, and then just bones his brains out. And apparently does that for the next, like, 10 years after that. So I'm guessing that's still coming. Um, excuse the pun there. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing... <laughs> That 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 will probably still be something in the show because clearly they show Harwin and uh, Rhaenyra in promos with his sons, so they are going to get together at some point. But yeah, a weird near miss, and especially after last episode when they had Harwin doing his his uh, his face at her, uh, his his Dario at her, where he's very interested, and she looked back. So clearly that's not going that's not going away. But it was yeah, it was interesting that this is one of the ways they chose to kind of navigate that, where like. There is a grain of truth to all of them rather than one account being definitive. Yeah, that's it's one of the harder things with uh, talking about adapting fire and blood is we don't know if that paragraph you just read was like, you know, this or it's going to be adapted over the course of like six episodes or something. Sure. Because they have that freedom to play with some of the stuff. So Mm -hmm. um, it looks like. Because as you described, it seemed like a lot of the Kristen Cole stuff seemed to go down in a very short amount of time in terms of her approaching him and then what eventually he ends up doing that spins out as a result of it. But it seems like they're going to long play that a little bit, it seems, Mm -hmm. um, and have like perhaps Rhaenyra and Kristen have like a secret affair for some extended time. And, um, you know, I think Fire and Blood's account was that Kristen did not submit Never did not give up his virtue because he is a righteous man who believes in his vows and fire and blood reminds (laughs) us every time he's mentioned. Um, So it's very interesting to see that um, that is kind of different, but also not. It's a little different in a way that I didn't expect it to be different. Like I had my own conceptions of what Mm -hmm. really happened. And the show is even finding a way to not be what's in fire and blood, but also not be 
how I kind of thought it might go down. Um, Because I still thought the Fire and a Blood account would be kind of mostly true in terms of timing. But um, again, book and show could be two different things. Well, that's what George said. They're they're two different things. So whatever happened in Fire and Blood does not necessarily translate back and forth. But it also... The fact that she actually is sleep uh, screwing Harwin, I mean, not Harwin, that she's screwing Kristen, you know, him and Harwin do look kind of similar. Makes you wonder, are, are they going to make all of his all of her son's strongs or are some of them going to be Coles? I was going to say, what if they were all Coles? Like, we, we, again, we're going on an imperfect narrator with mm. fire and blood. Um, and you can see how the. The strong family is a they're a lordly family mm-hmm. um, and it definitely serves certain narratives to rather have Rhaenyra's bastards be off another lord as opposed to the son of a steward of a low you know kind of a mid-tier house in the first place mm-hmm. um so there are there could be political advantages to have the bastard you know be a strong bastard as opposed to a cold bastard just um because oh hey you know they could have been good consorts in another life or whatever and even uh what's it called uh Lionel Strong in the last episode said Sir Harwin Strong, oh yeah, you know, he's of age and could be a match to yeah. uh, Rhaenyra before he pushed, uh, what's it called, Laenor. So um, it is interesting. It could really change everything we know from Fire and Blood, to be honest. I guess it will, it will matter if she stay, if if Kristen Cole stays her sworn shield uh, after she gets married. I'm wondering if that's not going to happen um, because Harwin becomes her sworn shield afterwards. He doesn't join the Kingsguard. I mean, okay, spoilers, guys. I'm sorry about this. A little bit of spoilers here. Yeah, it. it I'm wondering about that now. Are those little coal bastards? It would be weird if it was. Why would you, George, do a triple fake out? Or this is, again, this could be a show thing. Who knows? Um, but it's definitely going to, she also, at the end of it, Melos gave her the moon tea. She didn't drink it, did she? Oh, yeah. We have no idea, right? She just stares at it. She just looks um, at it and the episode ends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is something the show has done a lot where they kind of like set you up something, but they don't actually show you the final thing, just like they didn't show us Damon saying air for a day in uh, what's it called? The brothel air the for the day. Episode. Yeah. Um, there was even this episode when Viserys uh, confronts uh, Damon about the accusations. He doesn't flat out say, no, I did not have sex with her. Mm-hmm. He's just like, why would it bother you so much? Or just let me marry her. Then it won't matter what people say. Like, he, um, it's very they leave a lot of stuff in the margins, which is really great. Mm. Um, so now we're going to be sitting there wondering, did she drink it? Did she not? Um, and I guess it de- you know depends on the time jump next week. And, sure. Um, I, it doesn't look like she I feel like she has it. to because I don't think that like Coralys would le- would let Lenor marry her being obviously pregnant. Pregnant. Yeah. So uh, if they're throwing a royal wedding, I assume that doesn't come together right away. No. And she would be visibly showing uh, in her uh, wedding if so, so. Yeah. And everyone can do math. So mm-hmm. they would go back and go, well, actually, they would probably assume it was Damon's at that point, not Kristen Cole's, which is kind of funny. Um, let's see here. What was the next thing? Um, so we kind of talked about the white worm and Otto. Um, I. And we joked about it beforehand, but this was Otto's. This was everything for Otto. This was the best news he's ever heard that Rhaenyra and Damon were caught in a brothel coupling. Um, he did, but the interesting thing is the I don't think the actor showed it. Um, 
this was the thing they again in the after the episode, they said that Otto was basically dancing inside. He was like, yes, got her. She's off the throne. Aegon's going to be king. We're all great here. And but then he just sort of goes like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right. Sad face. Let's go. I have to tell Viserys what's going on. Although they did mention also that Otto is not a a machine. He is he is not uncaring. He does. Viserys is his friend. He's manipulating his friend, but he does care for him. And he knew that what he's about to deliver would absolutely destroy Viserys. So on one hand, he's like dancing inside that his political machinations are about to work. But on the other side, he's like, boy, this is the worst fucking thing I could ever tell him. Yeah, no, I think it's a uh, Risa Fons has just been great as Mm. Otto Hightower um, because uh, he doesn't have a lot of range. And by range, I mean, Otto doesn't like he (laughs) has like one. Yeah. One note that he basically has. But he does a lot of subtle facial expressions or his choice of words that really conveys a lot. And we see him here just like, okay, this this is my chance. This is my play. We've been kind of, you know, easing the Aegon. Aegon horse for a little while now, but you know, he seems uh convinced it should be Rhaenyra. But this, this could be the thing, you know. <laughs> um, and so he has to present it as a way that it's like this is a matter of state, you know, it's a serious political mm-hmm. news, and I have no personal investiture <laughs> in it. Um, no state. Never mind never mind that my daughter is just laying in the bed, you know, like 20 feet away from you after you just, you know, had sex with her. Um, uh, and she was not having a good time, as we know. So um, he has to just like block all that out and be like, okay, game face. Um, <laughs> just imagine. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah, you're it's right. like the NBA team waiting in the like, you know, hallway before they're called out to just like, you know, what time is it? Let's all get ready. Let's have a little prep speech and then let's go and mm-hmm. um, be completely all business on the basketball court. And that's basically what uh, Otto's doing here. And um, as much as, you know, Viserys gets mad at him in the moment in his like bedchamber. I think that's basically as best as he could hope for, because there's no way Viserys was going to react well to this news. Yeah, that's um, bad news no matter what. Mm-hmm. I also but, I forgot something but, that I think um, I thought you in particular would enjoy. I love the way that they were cutting between Allison and Rhaenyra when they were both having their quote unquote sex scenes where it's Allison just like staring dead eyed at the ceiling and Rhaenyra is feeling the passion and she's excited about it and she's having the time of her life and this is all she ever wanted. Uh, it really was an Allison and Rhaenyra episode. The two, I think a, a lot is again probably made of Damon and Kristen and then like Viserys' reaction. But I think it was really just about the two of them. That was kind of the heart of it. Yeah, I still uh, like Viserys and Damon are great, but it still kind of feels like Allison and Rhaenyra are driving the narrative. Mm. Uh, Rhaenyra a little bit more so. Um, Allison has had a little bit more of a passive role just because um, she's been wifed up. Um, wifed up and been yeah. forced to have kids, whereas Rhaenyra's had a little more agency or has had a little more freedom to like do other stuff for us to see. Um, but I feel like they're still the heart of the show, um, and especially after a couple episodes where they haven't been close together, especially last episode, um, it was really nice to have them, you know, kind of talk a couple times in this episode, mm-hmm. um, and then we really get to see their plights, and we see their plights juxtaposed, like you said. Um, we see like. These are two young women, and these are the sexual realities that they have to endure right now. Um, and these are like the marriage realities they have to endure right yeah. now. And these are, you know, the relationships with their fathers they have to endure right now. And they do a really good job of showing us those back to back. And like, because 
they're both in kind of different situations. Like their relationships with their fathers are different. Their relationships mm. with sex are different. Their, you know, their relationships with motherhood are different. Um, but we're still seeing uh, two highborn ladies have to work through very different, but caused by the same things, like the same systems yeah. that cause their misery. Um, but we see them reacting to it in different ways because of their different situations. It is very well done. I thought that was a, an excellent way of showing the lies between them. Um, also, like literally the things that Rhaenyra is running away from, like the reality that she's rebelling against is the one that Allison is starfishing her way through, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Um, I also love that Viserys's first reaction was to not believe Otto. And I love this because it was definitely a callback to the last episode where Lionel Strong, uh, I put a, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the Twitter thread I did about it, where I was talking about how sly Lionel was being here mm -hmm. with his, um, like bringing up that like, hey, I was right about the whole Lena thing, which also means, you know, who was wrong? Otto. Yeah. And that whole conversation and Viserys really thinking about it and leaning on Lionel on his way, uh, drunkenly stumbling to the campfire like the typical dude that he is. I thought that was really important because it really you, you started to see the gear start to turn Viserys's head. It's like, you know what? Otto is using me like this obviously came up with Damon, but I think Lionel is the one that really recently put it in his head and showed him the truth of it because he knows Damon's a shithead and he knows he doesn't like Otto, but he doesn't know of any acrimony between Lionel Strong and Otto Hightower. But now he, and now it's kind of all coming to the forefront and he throws it back at Otto and says like, this is just your dream come true. You just want Aegon on the throne. You don't care about me or my family anymore. This is all about you. And Otto's like, oh, sire, I, I would never. No, no, no. All about you. This, and I thought it was, I thought it was really good connecting the two episodes of using Lionel's moment in order to inform what was happening here. Yeah, no, I think it was great. And I think it, it makes, Viserys a more compelling character that mm. he isn't completely oblivious to this he picks up those cues from Lionel and then he's able to throw those in Otto's face and you know when he's throwing them in Otto's face he's like you served well and you were my friend you know all that stuff but like you know you clearly are just trying to get your grandson put on that iron throne it's informed literally the last three to four years of every like policy decision mm -hmm. you made um whether it's you know endorsing sending you know damon off to do whatever or you know um you know what whatever it is it's um, all connected like a, yeah. a singular focus he has an agenda that he wants to get one of allison's children put on that iron throne and high tower blood ruling the kingdom um that's very important to him and i like that viserys it, he needs a little nudging, but he doesn't need it spelled out for him and then he's yeah. able to vocalize it well when saying this to otto and i thought that was great um I, you know, his hand has hectored him enough, or I forget what the line is from uh, Fire and Blood, but he talks about Otto Hightower hectoring him, and then he eventually gives, you know, away the handship, and it actually goes to Lionel Strong, which right. I assume is what we're going to see next. Uh, obviously, that's that's what's coming up. Um, they didn't have him give that whole speech and that conversation for nothing. Uh, they're definitely going to stick to that one. I also, um, it was a good screenwriting decision in order to make those two things clash though because Viserys is right Otto is only out for himself he is only out for high, high his high towers he's only out for Aegon but he's misapplying it Otto's not lying now he's telling the truth 
it's just a very self-serving truth. And Viserys using his realization about Otto's disloyalty to try and disbelieve this is one of those things that makes you go like, oh, that was a really clever choice to have this realization almost make him make the totally wrong choice. Although eventually by the end, we talked about the moon tea. Clearly Viserys does after talking to Damon, he's like, yeah, this totally actually happened. Otto wasn't lying. Yeah, no, it's actually kind of savvy politicking by Viserys because it allows him to almost have a narrative to get out in front of if, you know, these allegations make it into like the people of King's Landing or the broader seven mm-hmm. kingdoms. Um, he's able to say, oh, it's because of Otto Hightower's, you know, ambitions and his own machinations to get his grandson on the Iron Throne, that he's a big reason that fueled this fire. So um, who who knows if it'll come to that, but it at least seeds seeds some like, you know, plausible deniability on Viserys' part or like a reasonable reason why this could have gotten out there and not be true. Also very savvy by Viserys to totally nail that the reason Otto heard about it is because he's been sending spies ar- around Rhaenyra. He's trying to find something. He's fishing for dirt on her. And he's like, I know you're doing this. It's like, yeah, he's he's not a complete dumbass. He's an indecisive guy. But those are not those are not mutually exclusive. You can be a bad, indecisive king, but also be insightful. And I think that's a good part of him. Like, I think Robert... Um, to kind of hit, I don't know, it's kind of his discredit in Game of Thrones is he was just the buffoon. There wasn't much like slyness to him or the intelligence that you would expect from a king. And here they're putting both in. Viserys is yeah. the buffoon, but he's also very, very smart. It's it's definitely a much more interesting character and story if mm-hmm. the king is capable of making the occasional right decision every now and then, um, instead of just going away to but sort of. Hunt and he he almost made stuff. the right decision. Yeah, or at least. He's trying to make the right decision. Robert's even like, I'm not even going to be at the place where they make decisions. I'm yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and I think it makes, because Viserys is a very interesting egg to crack in terms of writing him for this television show, because he's such a non-entity in Fire and Blood, and George mentioned this. Um, so we want to make him both likable, but also the shit that happens clearly has to be a result of what he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. His failures have to be a direct precipitation of the dance of the dragon. So um, they're doing a really good job of like, you can see why people would like this guy, why people would have no problem with him as their king, but then also why things would go to utter shit the minute he disappears. Mm. Very true. He's, he's spending all this time trying to hold together a situation that will not be held together. Um, then we get to the uh, Weirwood tree scene. The Weirwood got a lot of play in this episode. Um, I noted that in my review that cannot be seen on YouTube because HBO sucks, but um, that they, they're really introducing a lot of not just dragon dreaming and Valyrian magic, but they're putting a lot of um, old God stuff and a lot of nature and and they're doing it in very sly ways, but the Weirwood got like what three scenes this episode or something like that. And in particular, the the old gods sitting there that you could see the face watching as Rhaenyra and Allison had that conversation. And I think it was it was an interesting conversation. I think because I Allison I think knew right away that Rhaenyra was lying. She she knew it. She had it. She was like, "My father would is not making this up. I know you. I know you would do this." And then let's Rhaenyra her talk her out of it and like literally you see Rhaenyra walking circles around her while she's doing it like the this the um I'm not sure what the the word is it but for the 
the blocking and where they're having her move, you're seeing that she sort of swing around her almost like a shark. Yeah, no, it, uh, uh, it has the same camera movements of a Grima worm tongue talking to mm. Aowen, which, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's it. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great because Allison knows her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, uh, she knows that Otto would not play his hand unless he had something. I think she very much knows that she's not going to just take the first rumor that comes up from Flea Bottom about something Rhaenyra might have done and just run with it. I think he would only go if he felt like, I, I'm pretty sure this is true, or at least close enough to the truth, where it makes no difference whether they actually coupled or not, but they were both seen in a, you know, what's it called, brothel doing stuff yeah. or whatever. So, <laughs> doing um, stuff. Yeah, and I think, I think Allison was, like, very skeptical. I think she wants to trust Rhaenyra, or she wants to be Rhaenyra's friend, because, again, she, you know, how, how do you not feel lonely? You be friends with people. And how do you be friends with someone? You trust them. Right. Um, so you find like there's a very complicated space that Allison's in where she wants to believe. But I think she, like you say, knows that um, if maybe, you know, her and Damon didn't fuck, but she was definitely down there. With yeah. Yeah. Rhaenyra cop too. And like what Rhaenyra did there. Well, she knows how Rhaenyra is, you know, <laughs> she knows Rhaenyra probably better than anyone else in uh, the seven kingdoms. Exactly. So. She knows what her friend is like. She knows that she has a real affection for Damon. She knows that she likes danger. Like the dragon riding is, I mean, a little on the nose, but she does like riding dragons and she likes the danger of it. And she likes risking herself. And like with how she walked in with that, the boar behind her and covered in blood. That's the kind of person she is. She is not the kind of person that would just sit in her room with Damon back and not going on an adventure with him. Of course she would. That's who she is. And I, I think it was it was good to add a sort of um kind of the human heart and conflict there where she really wants to trust Rhaenyra, but she knows her father, like you were saying. And she has to decide which one of them is lying. And it's interesting that she comes down on the side that it's Otto. But it, it was kind of hinted in the last episode because remember Otto told her told her to go to Viserys and convince him to disinherit Aegon II. I mean to disinherit Rhaenyra. And Allison just doesn't do it. And instead, she even breaks his strategy of isolating Damon and Corlys and convinces Viserys that he has to send the ships. So it's one of those, I think it's one of the more subtler things. Rhaenyra's rebellion against her father is very much on the surface, but I think Allison's here is subtler, which I think kind of fits her character more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think so too. Uh, and I think it's really setting up the fraying that's going to happen between Rhaenyra and Allison here, um, because now she's kind of being put in between her dad and her best friend. Um, and she knows like they're, they're both kind of doing their own thing, politicking and whatever makes them happy. And she, she, you know, has always been kind of up for the role that she's been given to her. She, she's the queen of the seven kingdoms right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, husband to the King, Uh, we even see her take on the duty of washing Viserys in this episode. Yeah. Dismisses the handmaids. Like might as well do it myself. I do it anyways, you know, metaphorically, basically. Yeah. Um, So we really see that like, in a way, this episode both like reaffirmed the friendship that Rainier and Allison had, but I felt like it also really planted the seeds for their, you know, kind of the feuding that'll come up over the secession and, you know, probably the next couple episodes. It's going to be a real betrayal between them because, yeah, Allison is standing by Rainier and Rainier is now using Allison. 
which I don't think Allison's going to react well to. She doesn't react well to, to Otto doing it. She's not going to react well to her friend doing it. Um, then they go to the the whole... Well, do you want to talk about the throne room or do you want to talk about the um, Rhaenyra and Viserys in, the, in his bedroom next? Which one do you want to go to, Manu? Uh, so are we talking about kicking Damon while he's on the yeah. ground? Yes. Well, we might as well just do that. Let's um, go just there. Because it's so funny. Like, it's so love, good. <laughs> uh, I love Matt Damon being just dragged in and dop- dropped on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even try to get up and Viserys just starts kicking him. <laughs> and... David just like, well, I'm just going to stay down here. There's real no, no point in getting up. I deserve this. this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And it still does really feel like two brothers. Like, mm. even though they're old, even though they're royals, even though they're incest dragon riders, it does really feel like they're brothers. Um, and, you know, it, brothers are complicated. You know, it's very interesting to see them navigate it. But um I'm trying to remember what else happened in the scene other than uh, what's it called? Uh, being told that he needs to return to his woman in the Yuri. Yeah, that um, one's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. So he gets thrown on the floor and then Viserys. Um, he, it's weird because he does not believe Otto when he says Rhaenyra screwed around with uh, with Damon. But he just flat out says, Damon, you did it right. <laughs> He's just like, I know. I know you you did this right. And Damon's is like, you said earlier, like why bother denying it? That kind of thing. Um, it's also like you're saying, but they're brothers. It's sort of like, there's almost like play fighting that's going on there because we've seen Damon. We've seen what he can do with dark sister. He could tear Viserys apart. He's choosing not to, he's choosing to lay on the floor and let his brother kick him and pull his dagger on him because this is the reaction he wants from him. This is what that whole night was about. He wanted this. Yes. Um, and he needed Viserys to believe just enough of it so that he can get this. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't need to go all the way with Rhaenyra or, or anything like that. Um, and this is this is kind of exactly what he wanted. Um, like Which is said, weird. <laughs> it's weird, but um, you can sometimes people just want to be paid attention to. And when you're um, the brother who was potentially passed over as heir first by the daughter, and now that even after Rhaenyra, there would be several more claimants in front of you now yeah. in the line in terms of... Um, at least Aegon, possibly Helena. Um, and then, you know, they're more, more to come. Uh, so like, you know, he's just being more and more uh, being pushed to the side in terms of the line of succession. He's never going to sit on the iron throne. Well, you know, unless he perhaps marries someone who's going to sit on the iron throne. Hello. And then, then he, he gets to be King, even if, you know, he's not the named heir. King consort. He gets to be yes. uh, Prince Philip, I guess. Hey, it's all coming back. <laughs> Topical. Hey, boom. Um, I also like that he was just so bold about it. And he was just like, let me have Rhaenyra and I'll marry her. No one will take her now. Knowing that he did not actually go all the way with her, that he's even now lying about it. Um, that there's there's some parts of his soul that won't even let him acknowledge that that he keeps having this problem. Yeah, no. Um, what's funny? Uh, one of the things I'm glad they kind of dropped from Fire and Blood was uh, Damon's love of virgins. Yeah, um, and it's something that I'm kind of glad they did. But as far as he knows, as of this, uh, you know, as of his conversation with Viserys, Rhaenyra is a virgin. Because she wouldn't know that Kristen Cole and her like got it on last. Yeah, night. he can't like, know that. So uh, he he doesn't seem like he remember doesn't remember a lot of the night that no. happened before. <laughs> he passed um, out. 
So um, as far as he tells, he gets Rhaenyra, a maiden, the queen, to be his wife. Like, if Viserys consented to this arrangement, like, he wins. He gets literally everything he could possibly have wanted. Well, uh, sort of. Well, yeah, yeah. He doesn't actually want Rhaenyra. That's sort of the point. Even his marriage... I think you have to take into account that his marriage uh, proposal is not in good faith. That he's he's still doing this just to make Viserys angry. I don't know if he actually wants to marry Rhaenyra. He'd probably go through with it, but it is not, I guess, a genuine proposal. It is not. He's 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 presenting himself as if I really am in love with my niece. That like this is a natural thing. I want her. She wants me, and that's just not the truth. Yeah, especially when he already has a wife. Um, yeah, and he he's got to know it's probably wrinkles. Of no way it would happen. That yeah, that he would take a second wife in the tradition of old Valeria. Um, I feel like Viserys wouldn't look too kindly on that. Like, especially with the high towers, his hand, it would never happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so again, so, he's just fucking with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Weird that it ends up coming true. <laughs> Apparently, he's just so committed to his trolling that he it's like Jeff when he used to be on Twitter. He's just committed to the bit at this point. Yes, yes. Damon is the ultimate committed to a bit guy. He (laughs) he came up with this bit. He didn't know where it was going, but he committed to it. And that's literally why we get the Dance of the Dragons. I guess I am the Rogue Prince now. I will be Rogue (laughs) Prince forever. Um, So I I thought that was a really good scene. I thought it was well acted from Matt Smith. Apparently, he's going to stick around, though. Because we've seen promo shots of him on the wedding dais, but Viserys just banished him. So does he come back for the wedding? Like, does Coralise invite him or something? I'm not really sure what's going on there. It, oh, that'd be great if he was like Coralise's plus one or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I know Coralise needs to bring his wife, but I, she probably gets invited anyway. She's a Targaryen. Uh, but yeah, no, I it'll be interesting. Or whether time has passed, um, maybe there's a small chance we see um, his Royce wife. Um, I oh guess, yeah, you know, love to see Rhea. Yeah, so it would be it might be interesting, and then we might not see her much longer after no. that. So uh, riding um, accident. It, mm-hmm. If if they do something like that, it would make sense to introduce her um, in a scene like this, which would be a context which would make sense for her to show up and for Damon to even be back on court. Yeah. Um, it just uh, you think of uh, Game of Thrones and like the royal wedding between Marjorie and uh, Joffrey. And everything else aside, story-wise, it was a chance to get all the actors into a room or into one set and really have them play off each other in ways that we knew from the books and ways that were just completely show-invented. And this could be an event that basically gets all of the cast that we have into one room uh, for a single thing, and we can see how they play off each other. Apparently someone's going to kill somebody uh, mm-hmm. with a with a particular weapon. Um I think you should jump to uh, Rhaenyra and Viserys because we've kind of covered a lot of it. But there, there is obviously they brought up the dagger again. And apparently Aegon wrote the prophecy. Yeah, actually, it's Rhaegar, it's Rhaegar's line from House of the Undying, I think. It's almost mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. it. Um, from my blood print yeah. will be the prince that was promised. His will be the song of ice and fire, which is almost exactly what Rhaegar says in the books. Um, but then doesn't go anywhere. They just kind of drop it again. It doesn't influence their conversation. He's like, listen, this, if this is all about this, like prophecy, we have to say the end of the world. And Renewer's like, I guess, sure. Um, yeah, this is one of the things that I'm not quite sure about what they're doing with this, the prophecy and the, the magic stuff is 
they're they're trying they're not having it impact their discussions or their characters at all like it's impacting Viserys in the sense that he wants to be a dreamer but Rhaenyra apparently doesn't give a shit other than like oh that's kind of cool it's it's like the one ring I guess look at that it, it kind of neat but it doesn't make her want to do anything and it, it just sort of seems like they dropped it in to remind the audience that this is an ongoing thing that they're going to pick up later um I don't know yeah, I'm the prophecy guy, but I'm not I'm not a huge fan of what they've done after the first episode. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be like so integral. And this is like, ah, is it? Well, it's, it just it's just interesting to see how what they plan on doing with it, because, yeah, I, this definitely feels like they're reminding the audience. Yeah. About something like thinking about how you plan a season of television. Right. There has to be some kind of payoff. I just can't see what that is. Right. Um, we we know the dagger doesn't really get lost. I mean, maybe they lose it for a little. We, because of all that we know, granted, happens 170 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, what actual drama, tension, or irony they can draw from this, I'm not sure. Like, we were talking about the Godswoods earlier, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about um, how... Uh, Rhaenyra and Damon were talking in High Valyrian and from the Godswood. It was kind of like an ice and fire kind of thing right, right. there. Like the language of fire, language of ice, however you want to describe it. So they're, they're very purposefully including all it's this there. stuff. I don't yeah. think it's... But I just... In the confines, because like it doesn't make sense for the lore for like any kind of White Walker or Whites or anything of that to show up in this story. I don't even think we're going to go that far north, you know. We're going to see Winterfell. That's probably it. Yeah. Um, so I... Unless something major changes or that dagger becomes a big, like, kind of MacGuffin for something that comes up, um, maybe that's someone gets stabbed with it at the wedding and then they have to, like, ship it off for forensics and it gets lost and they lose the prop. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, And also the fact that, like you said, like, it's like the one ring. I feel like George wouldn't just lift you know, the whole writing is in fire kind of thing without wanting to put his own twist or turn on it. If it's just like, oh, the prophecy's written on there and that's that. Neat, I guess. Yeah, it, it feels like there just has to be something more or else it just feels a little... There's got, yeah, they're building towards something. I, I just can't quite figure out what it is because it's clearly not Viserys and Rhaenyra. That's how they introduced it, but it's going somewhere else. Like maybe mm-hmm. at some point, like she starts believing it. Or she sees something or like a winter starts and she freaks out or something like that. I don't know what it is. It's it just felt kind of glaring in this scene that Viserys like brought it up to remind her of her duty to the realm. But then it didn't have any impact. It's It seemed like a weird inclusion. They pivot to uh, like fa- father daughter conversation that it just seems like sometimes your parents will like start a lecture with a giant metaphor. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. You know what they say about mules in the old country, and then somehow it'll turn into a lecture about responsibility. It kind of felt like that because he had the dagger sitting in the. He was waiting, yeah. Like, um, and like she pulls it out and reads it, and then he just pivots. Is <laughs> like this is our duty to keep this prophecy alive. Oh, by the way, I heard you were in a brothel. <laughs> like the two aren't they aren't aren't really connected too much. Yeah, yeah. Unless like, oh God, the dagger is some kind of like phallic metaphor or something, and he was trying uh. to do some. They're probably not worth thinking about. Um, yeah. And to their conversation, I thought it was um, I thought the most interesting part of it is that Rhaenyra basically blackmails Viserys into firing Otto. I thought that was a really good change. And I thought that was something that shows that Rhaenyra is really starting to try to 
influence the court. She's sitting at the small council table now. We saw her uh, during the opening scenes when they were talking about like the sea snake. He's going to marry Lena to the to the son of the prince of Bravos or whatever. And it was like she's sitting there, but she doesn't say anything. But now she's she's going in. She is now part of the machinations. She's using leverage she has now about agreeing to the marriage in order to get rid of her enemy, which she identifies in the scene correctly as Otto. She's like, my life will be easier if he has no influence. I'm going to make my father fire him or else. And I was like, all right, you know what? You're playing the game. All right, Rhaenyra, I see what you're up to. Yeah, I think that's exactly this is like the first real gamesmanship we saw uh, from Rhaenyra. Because like last episode, she's running away and arguing with Viserys out in front of people. It's just like very politically unsavvy episode for Rhaenyra. Um, And then now here she's, you know. She's cognizant of what Otto's doing, and she's able to vocalize it in a clear enough way that it convinces her father on the spot. Like, oh, yeah, Otto. Yeah, I mean, he, I feel like Viserys was probably thinking some of this stuff, too, but Rhaenyra helped really spell it out for him and kind of push him over the edge into making the decision to let him go as hand. And then the the breakup scene. <laughs> that was, I thought it was funny that it was framed so clearly as as a bromance breakup. It's like, Otto, I love you, but you have to go. And then he brought up the stuff about like Otto. Was he implying that he helped kill Viserys's father? Did I hear that yeah. right? That, it was. It How long has he been very, sitting on that one? Yeah, it's very convenient. Right, uh, Balon the Brave was named heir, and then they had a great hunter tourney i forget what it was for him mm-hmm. um and then five days later he died of a burst belly which i'm not entirely sure if i know what that is i always thought of it as like appendicitis whenever they said it in uh, i don't really know blood but i mean your belly can burst if someone sticks a sword through it so i wasn't entirely sure like if it was like innuendo or whatever but i always thought of it as like appendicitis but um something like that could also be poison or any number of things and it does introduce the possibility that perhaps Otto Hightower killed his way into his handship, you know, so to speak. Um, I don't know what the implications of that are, but um, it is it, it is something worth noting. I thought it, I felt it was sort of Viserys just sort of like trying to give a reason, because if I think if he really thought Otto did that, he would have him killed. Yeah, absolutely. So he was just kind of like trying to bring up that. I think he was trying to skirt the whole it's this is actually about Rhaenyra and what you said the other day. And he's trying to be like, oh, no, this is this is years in the making. Although it was clever of Viserys to be able to go back in time and reevaluate Otto's entire life and be like, oh, yeah, this guy is a shit. And he's totally been trying to rise to power the whole time. And he's been using me to do it. Huh. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Good thing I realized it. But um, yeah, I, I think that's all that really was like really just. He's the king. He can execute Otto Hightower if he feels like it, if he really thinks he had something to do with Balon stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if he really did, I think just the relationship the crown wants to maintain with House Hightower would probably make any kind of execution or even imprisonment off the table. I think something like stripping of, of his title and sending him back home mm. or whatever he does. Um, who I don't exactly know what he's going to do in the show um, cause he has every reason to stay with his daughter and grandchildren. Um, uh, they showed him writing away. He gets sent out of the city. Oh, okay. Well, so so he's out. Go. He's back to, he's back to old town. Uh, we'll see what Hobart has to say about that. I guess he's going to be uh, very British about it. <laughs> that, that's how they all. Are. <laughs> um, it was, it really was a breakup scene though. I, you could tell that really did hurt Viserys that he had to do it. Um, and that there was real betrayal in it, but 
I think he also tried to throw him a few bones, like after he took away the pin and then he said, like, the realm owes you a great debt and so do I. And he's just like, it's like, I'm breaking up with you, but I still love you. Okay. You will always be an important part of my life. I don't look at these last six years with regret or anything. You yeah. Know, it's just, it's our time. Um, time if I was Otto, I probably, probably would have asked for some money. Cause like, can I have a little severance pay or something? <laughs> uh, I'll get out of your hair, but come on, man. Let me I, grab I a tapestry. All right. <laughs> Uh, take it back to the high tower with me yeah that one that one uh that one had to hurt i also liked otto's uh terrible face that it's accusations where again he was just like what me never no no my lord absolutely not i would never do anything to hurt you it was it was excellent the exact thing you said which i did to the word to, to the letter i'm doing the exact things you are accusing me of but no i never did that Although I think it actually the thing that really hurt Viserys more than anything was realizing that his relationship to Allison is a setup. I think that one actually truly hurt him to finally put that one together that I love that he loves. Well, he loves Allison. I don't think Allison loves him uh, or at least doesn't enjoy. Well, OK, doesn't enjoy having sex with him. Clearly, there is some affection, but uh, not the way that he probably does. But to realize that that relationship was totally manipulated and that it was just Otto trying to make a play for his heirs. That had to hurt so bad. Yeah, um, because Viserys has spoken of feeling alone and not really caring for a lot of the stuff at court anyways. And Allison showing up and being his friend was legitimately something he seemed to enjoy. Um, Mm. Like he had someone to talk to, someone he could confide in, someone who wasn't Rhaenyra, who wasn't Otto, who wasn't, you know, anyone else that he could just talk to. Um, And now they have at least two children together. Um, Who knows if this was the day that Eamon One-Eye was uh, consummated with that sex scene, which would be appropriate. There's about as much love in Eamon One-Eye as there was in that sex scene between Alicent and Viserys. So yeah, that makes um, sense. But yeah, no, it, it is devastating. It's like one of the, I think, few things that Viserys would say is good in his life is his wife. You know, I think he, you know, all things considered really likes her and gets along with her. You know, I don't think she's super thrilled with it, but from Viserys's point of view, it's like, yeah, this is a good thing in my life. And for even that to be kind of called into question or feel a little poison now, that's got to sting for him. I don't think that one's going to go away. I wonder if he's going to take it out on Allison. Like he might, Mm -hmm. if he's going to, he's, he has to start questioning what her feelings are too. That's not going to be a pleasant conversation. He's no, clearly no, no. a very um, passive aggressive man. Like she's going to notice and it's not going to be kind the way he does it. Like the same way that he blew off Rhaenyra when she tried to come up and say like, good job on the conquest. And he's like, yeah, maybe you should go see him then. Like that's going to hurt. That's going to isolate Allison even more now that she's lost her father too, who's been banished and he's going to head back to, uh, to Old Town, clearly there's going to be animosity between her and Rhaenyra that she knows Rhaenyra lied. Rhaenyra knows Alicent lied, but they're still trying to stick to each other. Now her husband's going to question her. She's going to be super isolated as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, it's going to be interesting to see because, like I said, we're starting to see the seeds of what will probably be their fraying. Mm. Um, and I think we're probably an episode or two from it really exploding. And I think the other thing of note is that Rhaenyra assents to being uh, Lenor, yeah, Valerian's agreed to wife. it. Um, so 
Uh, she seemed willing to do that. It almost felt like um, the quid pro quo with I'll do Absolutely. this if you get rid of Otto Hightower. Um, and that goes back to the politicking you're saying where she's not just saying you need to get rid of Otto, but it's like, I will do something for you if you do this for me. It's like, you know, she's being an adult. Like she's not being commanded. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think the last thing that came up was the uh, Melos bringing the moon tea. We kind of talked about this at the beginning. Um, that we don't see her drink it. Obviously, Rhaenyra has a bunch of bastards. Uh, she also didn't bring up that she knows that Lenor's gay yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm cu- they haven't introduced that at all. Like they had the guy standing next to him at the war council, but he had no lines and there was no obvious, um, no obvious Fine. hints there that this was happening. So yeah, there's no vibe. There was no vibe to that. So I'm guessing it will come in the next episode. And I'm curious if Rhaenyra already knows because... They've known each other since they were kids. We saw them in the box together at the tournament. So obviously she knows Leonor. I'm curious if she knows him that well or if they've been too long apart at this point. Yeah, no, it, it will definitely be interesting. They could play it, you know, any way for the show. Because when they were younger, you might not be, you know, fully aware, mm. or fully open with your sexuality. And it'll be interesting how um, the show approaches the culture because, you know, Game of Thrones season five, they took a hard turn against homosexuality with some of the fate storyline. Mm. Um, but some of uh, George's writing seems to indicate that it's more just like don't ask, don't tell kind of with a lot of um, For lords, at least. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, what kind of reverberation Lenore's sexuality has. Who knows? Um, yeah, it. it I am very interested because I think we've seen like going all the way back to the season previews, like trailer shots of Lenore and Rhaenyra walking alongside a beach. Looking unhappy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting if she's going to find this out now or if this is something she's going to kind of know going into it. Are we going to have another great wedding night scene like we had with Sansa and Tyrion? Or oh, something? boy. So, oh. Um, they, have, they have a lot of. There's going to be a fight, apparently. With. Yeah. So. Um, you know, uh, Dothraki wedding without at least three deaths is considered a dull affair. So uh, we might be going Dothraki levels with uh, this wedding. It looked like it looked like from the uh, next episode that Kristen is throwing a punch at somebody at the wedding. And I'm curious if it's going to be Damon or Lenor. I think it's going to be Damon, but you never know. He's probably going to be really protective of Rhaenyra at this point, um, or at least openly flirty. And I'm curious if he's going to figure out that there's something between Kristen and uh, Rhaenyra and that's the other bomb waiting to drop and there was a line from Fire and Blood that I was expecting to be in this episode that wasn't that one of the things that it's noted is that Allison starts a rumor where she says Sir Kristen protects Rhaenyra from everybody but who protects Rhaenyra from Sir Kristen that didn't get dropped and I'm guessing it's going to be next episode that the people are going to start to notice that Rhaenyra is more than just friendly with with Kristen at this point yeah, I think we saw the beginning of like, uh, we saw their coupling, um, but I don't think anyone's really seen Kristen and Rhaenyra afterwards or interact or see their, what I assume are going to be a lot of easy smiles and flirting mm-hmm. glances and all that cute stuff we loved in high school, I think we're going to see right here. Um, but yeah, and once Damon seems like the kind of guy who will probably pick up on exactly what's going on right away. He just seems to know if anyone else is having a secret, secret sexual relationship. I just feel like Damon has like a radar for that. Also, he can just apparently sneak into her room and just check yeah, it out absolutely. and just like open the door <laughs> a little bit. Um, I'm also wondering if that would be, if that reveal will be the thing that really breaks Rhaenyra and Allison, because 
if she's already she's already suspicious about Damon, if she gets suspicious about Kristen, asked Rhaenyra and Rhaenyra lies about that and then she finds out it's true, I feel like that's going to be the kind of thing you don't come back from. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think that's well, I think Allison might be heartbroken when she finds out that like Rhaenyra did lie to her about all of this stuff. And then Rhaenyra is going to be like upset if Allison, like, you know, makes any of that public or uses that for any kind of gains of her own. Yeah, she's she's savvy. She could. Yeah. So uh, you can really see it being kind of that epicenter of what will cause the big rift. A good setup by the show. We can already see what they're going for. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to cover? Or I think we got it all. Um, I think we got it all. Um, I just like that it was. A very sexy episode. Yeah, um, it was. You know, just a lot of sex, a lot of conceptual sex, some weird sex, but it was just very sexy. Um, I like that the show doesn't always hold your hand. Like, they don't spell out exactly what the moon tea is. Um, they, you know, kind of just hint at you. Uh, Master Malos gives you, you know, you know, just so there are no unwanted consequences. Mm-hmm. But I like I like that they're not just saying, oh, it's an abortifacient or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah they're pretty much like they're trusting the audience. Like you've watched game of Thrones. You kind of know this world and you know what the main themes are, the big thrust childbirth and all that. Um, we're going to let you kind of think this through. And it's, it's a complex show. Like, I don't know how to feel about half these characters. Um, I know I'm very, I love how rich and, you know, intensely characterized they are, but um, how I actually feel about any of them as a human being is <laughs> complicated. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Loving watching the drama like, oh, boy, stay away from them at all costs. Like these are high drama people. Like maybe the only person that you would want to hang out with that I've seen from the main cast is probably like Allison. She seems like Mm -hmm. a good upstanding person. She's she's loyal to her friends. She's pretty much honest all the time. She's smart. And it's like it seems like this is like we're going to see that the court is going to be the one corrupting Allison and not the other way around. Yeah, she deserves a good time. Like someone take her out for ice cream or something. Like <laughs> who's sneaking into her room and taking her off to the street of silk and giving her a nice night on the town? Um well, I guess we'll see who that is. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Um, I think we're probably about done. So Manu, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff and we will both go to sleep. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to sleep very much. <laughs> but yeah, I'm Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb. Um, I'm one half of the Not A Cast podcast alongside poor Quentin. And I also do My Brother, My Captain, my podcast about Lord of the Rings. And on both of those podcasts, we are covering House of the Dragon and The Rings of Power, respectively. Check out those podcasts. They both have Patreons that you'll find through them, yada, yada. Um, and you can follow me at Manuclear Bomb on any social media that I am on. Get ready for a lot of cats if you do. Oh, yeah. Just all the cats and, and cats Simpsons jokes. Oh, my God. Only cats. Oh, my goodness. And uh, the other half of your podcast, uh, Emmett, will be coming on later this season. I think episode nine or something like that. It's going to be a while. But we're going to I'm going to collect both halves of the not cast during this season. Um, it was obviously great having you back, Manu. You guys haven't seen him since season eight. Manu was uh, we had a great time to oh, to yeah, only had- it's nine been- of the seven kingdoms. I know we got two great episodes. Totally on accident. That's how it two works out. Two. two for two. If That's you want to invite me back just so we can keep the streak going, I'm all for it. So. <laughs> Whatever episode it is, it clearly will be one of our favorites. That's that's going to be the truth of it. Um, so I have it. So if you guys were wondering why there was any uploads for the last week, um, I tried to post a review and HBO claimed it. 
and they blocked it. So I, you can't watch it un- unless they agree with my dispute. Uh, so you can find it on the podcast feed, which is down in the description. Uh, if you look for the wit and wisdom of Joe Magician, I posted the audio version. I don't know when the video version is going to come up. And honestly, I don't know if I'm going to be able to post videos if they keep claiming my stuff. So fingers crossed that solves itself because I have a lot of obviously a lot of stuff to make. Um, if not, it might just be very light on on visuals if I if I make anything. Hopefully it resolves itself um, next week. Who do I have? I, I wonder if it's I think it's San Rixia next week. Oh, Mal, yeah, hell yeah. For the dragon episode, again, not planning it. <laughs> uh, season guests, season, oh, no. Oh, wait, no. I think Mallory, oh, Mallory's eight. Okay, next week is just me, no guests. We're going to have a great time. Uh, Mallory's going to come back later. Uh, she's probably going to help me with the dragon project. But anyway, um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, enjoyed hanging out with us tonight, and have yourself a great night. Bye, everybody. <laughs>